I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Home. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer our medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Justin again. Good morning, Laura. It's good to be here. Yeah, fun. You know, it's a a little extra excitement in the air. Yeah. Love is in the air. Love Snow is in the air. But here we are in our cozy little radio studio. That's right. And, and ready with no snow falling just yet. Right. So, yeah. I'm ready to answer the medical questions. And so, Dr. Johnston, last week was our podiatry show. We talked all, right. all about feet. Feet. And feet are an issue for a lot of people, a lot of different concerns. And I know that the television show last week, they had tons of questions so many questions that they couldn't get to all of them oh no and so this uh person who called in a television show says if you don't get it on tv can you talk about it on the radio oh boy so it's for you dr johnston (laughs) all right so what could be causing two nails to lift off and curl up starting from the bottom of the cuticle and progressing rapidly concurrent with a cuticle that has turned dark brown on another but that nail has not become disengaged like the others so it sounds like we have some nails kind of curling up what do we have to say about that so um the first thing i wonder is the age of this individual and the odds are this is an older person um and we'll frequently see a lot of dystrophy kind of the the nails um letting loose of the nail bed sometimes there's a fungal infection that's underneath that um you know i'd i'd want to look at the rest of the feet the rest of the nail sometimes um injury but my guess is this person might have mentioned that if they'd known of some kind of injury. Mm -hmm. Um, Nails are interesting because a lot of times you kind of see the evidence of this long past uh, when the initial injury happens. So those would be things to think about. Um, The thing that I would worry about for this individual is when those nails start loosening, lifting up, getting real thick, um, it can be really hard to get your shoes mm-hmm. to fit right. And um, then that can cause further problems there. So this is someone who may want to go in and see one of the foot doctors. Um, maybe that nail needs to be removed. Maybe it can be ground down for them so that it's not um, putting holes in their socks mm-hmm. and uh, poking in their shoes and putting extra pressure on on that toe. This may also be somebody who doesn't have good sensation in their feet. Sometimes we'll see that association. So um, I would suggest this person go in get one of the foot doctors to take a look at their feet and maybe grind down that nail or remove that nail for them. Okay. Any other comment about the dark brown on, you know, you mentioned the lifting, but they mentioned they also had dark brown on another nail. Any on another on nail. So it, it was it the cuticle that was dark brown or the nail bed that the was dark brown? The cuticle that had turned dark brown. Okay. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. So... Um, 
several different things can do that. The first thing you always think about your as a, a physician, your your job is to think about what's the worst thing this could be first. Mm-hmm. So the worst thing would be a melanoma. Um, so you can actually get skin cancer in the nail bed on oh. on the nail. That's you know not terribly common um, at all, but it's certainly something to think about. And then I would think about, again, a potential injury, a trauma. Uh, Sometimes we'll see particularly people who have a lot of swelling in their feet will get discoloration in the skin uh, of the foot, of the ankle. It looks kind of brawny and bronzy and dark. Um, So, and infections, you know, maybe they had a, a ingrown nail and that post-inflammatory after the redness and the the infection fades, it can leave behind discoloration. So a lot of different things that that could be. Um, And I think a trip in to to see one of the foot doctors would be in order. Okay, sounds good. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called post-herpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer all of our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. I recently had a friend share that a loved one was just diagnosed with Graves' disease, which I don't know much about. Uh, this woman is in her 70s and has lost quite a bit of weight and sounds like she was experiencing a variety of unexplained health issues and actually ended up in the ER due to concerns that she might even be having a heart attack, but they quickly ruled that out and since then had been has been diagnosed with, with Graves' disease. disease. So. What is Graves' disease, Dr. Johnston? So some of our older listeners might remember that uh, both, I think it was both of the Bushes, I think it was George and Barbara, were diagnosed with Graves' disease uh, in fairly close proximity with each other. And uh, Graves' disease is the most common reason we see for overactive thyroid that's a persistent issue. It is an immune system issue where your immune system actually uh, attacks and stimulates the thyroid gland and uh, causes it to release excessive too much 
uh, thyroid hormone. So those symptoms that this individual was experiencing uh, were the symptoms of that overactive thyroid gland. The thyroid uh, is a gland kind of at the base of your neck, and uh, it kind of controls metabolism. It's very involved in that. So thus the the weight loss. Uh, she may have felt hot all the time, so she may have been uh, wandering around in in. January when we had our terrible cold snap and she may have been in shirt sleeves and wondering what everybody was mm-hmm. was so upset about. Um, she may have had a lot of diarrhea with this. That's a potential side effect. Uh, her heart rate was likely very fast and that may very well have been what prompted her to go to the emergency room was mm-hmm. feeling the effects of that fast heart rate. So um, it is a f- not uncommon condition. And the treatment for it, the ultimate treatment for it is usually to use um, radioactive iodine. The thyroid uh, uses iodine, which is why it's so important that we have iodine in our salt. The thyroid uses iodine. um, It takes up that iodine and it uses it to make the thyroid hormone. Uh, So the very smart endocrinologists do their best to calculate just the right dose to kill off just enough of the thyroid gland. Um, But over time, as your immune system keeps doing its thing, a lot of times people end up needing to take thyroid hormone. Their thyroid uh, is either destroyed entirely or just can't keep up. So um, that is the ultimate treatment. Uh, That's obviously not something that everybody can undergo, uh, particularly pregnant women. Uh, This is not an uncommon finding in pregnant women, uh, and you obviously don't want to give them radioactive iodine because then you would cook the baby's thyroid Mm. as well. So there are medicines that people will take that um, kind of block the effects of the the thyroid, um, both some that keep it from making too much thyroid hormone and a medicine that keeps the thyroid, keeps the heart from racing too much with that. And So that's what Graves' disease is. Now, Hashimoto's, I hear some questions about Hashimoto's occasionally, which is also a condition where your uh, immune system attacks the thyroid. Uh, But in this case, the thyroid then underperforms. So people become low on their thyroid hormone. And Hashimoto's in the developed world with our iodinized salt uh, is the most common reason that people become low on thyroid. Mm. So with this, if you, you mentioned, you know, meeting with an endocrinologist, getting kind of the perfect, hopefully, dosage here, does that usually help or is it kind of something that changes as you age and you kind of reevaluate and keep addressing it? You have to keep an eye on a thyroid after that has happened. Um, So it is very possible that you'll be fine for 10 years and then over time you end up needing to take thyroid hormone or they need to give you a little more radiation and at some point or uh, other other factors that way. So once you once your immune system has decided that it's uh, after your thyroid, you you need to kind of keep an eye on everything. 
Do you ever remove a thyroid? Um, yes, but usually that has more to do with uh, bulk, with uh, thyroid nodules, and um, uh, you know, is that a cancerous nodule, for example? Or most nodules are not cancer, but um, is that just a, a bulky thing that sometimes causes difficulty with your airway or with swallowing or other kinds of things? So yes, and historically they did that a lot more. Mm. to remove uh, thyroids. Some people um, may remember goiters, the the big bulky thyroid at the base of the neck. Um, And uh, some of our listeners might remember an episode of Seinfeld where Elaine went and visited someone who had a great big goiter and she couldn't stop looking at it. (laughs) So, uh, boy, I'm showing my age with all of these references today. But, uh, yes, uh, there sometimes you'll see a scar at the base of somebody's neck, like a half moon at the base of the neck on the necklace line, and that's often from a thyroid thyroid surgery. Okay. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. Dr. Johnston, tell us about the television show you're planning for tomorrow evening. You know, I was just thinking on on the way in, uh, or not on the way in, but today during that last break, that we are literally going head to toe today because we started with toenails and then we went to the neck and now we're going to talk about the ear, nose, and throat doctors, the otolaryngologists. Um, So ear, nose, and throat medicine, obviously, everybody has ears and eyes and noses and mouths and uh, the ear, nose and throat doctors are specialists in those areas. So um, I wrote the essay on uh, sinus issues and um, 
one of the treatments that we often recommend, which is rinsing the sinuses out with salt water. Um, but the beauty of this show is you never really know what's going to happen. It's all going to depend on the the questions that people call in. So I'm expecting questions about hearing loss. I'm expecting questions about tinnitus. Uh, I'm expecting questions about sinuses and sleep apnea and sore throats and uh, ear infections and all kinds of things. Those otolaryngologists also usually deal with the voice, mm. so chronic hoarseness or people who have, have trouble projecting their voice, um, not so much trouble speaking necessarily, but kind of getting that volume there, singing. Um, so there's just a lot of possibilities that we could see come up with this show and that's always kind of fun that is fun when I was in college um, at Augustana we did Mm. some voice studying and uh, we had someone come in and put a camera down our throats and let us see our vocal cords vibrate as we were singing which was amazing yes (laughs) absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. and um you know the ear nose and throat doctors are kind of close to my heart because my son uh, was born with a cleft lip and palate and so Mm -hmm. we have uh, seen a lot of ear nose and throat doctors over the years Um, they do a lot of reconstructive surgery people don't always think about that Um, but they have been absolutely key to to bow's ongoing development and growth and and just function because people who have a cleft lip and palate think about all the difficulty you know difficulty speaking and communicating even eating infants that are born with cleft lips and palates you know they they really struggle to eat and uh, so that's just a really really important specialty Um, there's a lot of cancers that can happen Mm -hmm. in the the ear nose and throat area particularly in people who smoke or use chewing tobacco Um, but that's not the only um, factor that Mm -hmm. occurs there so um, it'll it'll be an interesting show yeah If people have questions this morning about ear, nose, and throat or anything else, uh, give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430. Dr. Johnson, I wanted to ask you more about the neti pot. The neti pot. I have yet to try it myself. Thank goodness I haven't (laughs) needed it. I don't have that (laughs) issue, but um, I've heard it's really wonderful and helpful it, for many it people. It is really wonderful and helpful for many people. Um, and every every time I recommend it to someone, like uh, my toes curl and I feel like I'm going to torture them. So this have is, you tried it? I have. Uh, in fairness, yes. I didn't use the pour it. I used the squirt bottle. So there are different techniques that people can use yes. uh, to do this um, nasal saline irrigation. Um, and the neti pot looks like a little gravy boat. And the idea is that you're going to pour the the gravy, which in this case is a, a buffered saltwater solution. Okay. Um, pour it in one nostril and let it pour out the other nostril. And I know that it's very helpful and I just cannot make myself do it. So I have a squirt bottle okay. uh, that I use that has the same effect, but somehow that's just mentally easier for me to do mm-hmm. than 
than the the neti pot is. But I have a lot of patients who use the neti pot and really have great success with it. So those of us that don't have a lot of chronic sinus issues, um, you know, I will use it myself when I have a nasty cold and a lot of head congestion with it. Um, people with allergies find it very helpful. People with chronic sinus issues, uh, maybe people who work in dusty environments, farmers or construction workers or um, that kind of thing. It can be extremely helpful at just kind of cleaning all that gunk out of your nose and helping you breathe more easily. I'm sure it's probably some sort of ancient Uh, thing, right? Like it's probably been something that's been around since ancient times. For a very long (laughs) time when I was was researching that in the, uh, when I wrote the article, um, I found reports of finding things that they think are neti pot-like devices Mm -hmm. in in Roman ruins. But most of the references that I I read uh, talk about starting in India in traditional, um, I can't say the word, area of Vedic uh, health practices, and uh, so several several centuries ago, it goes back at least four or five centuries, uh, and is an ongoing part in a lot of kind of traditional medicine um, and also spiritual practices in mm. some religions around the world. So um, it is very my my toes curling are very much a cultural uh, issue. So mm-hmm. um, it. And it is very helpful. Now, there are some risks with it, and I think most people have read uh, the the dramatic news articles about people who get amoebas in their brain yeah. uh, from it, which is something that's happened that I think I read there were like 11 cases that have been reported in the past 20 years. So that's not a very high rate at all. Uh, and that really has to do with not so much the technique as what you're using. So um, if I inject dirt into your vein, that's not going to be good. And yet, um, you know, we use IVs all the time. Um, And the whole point is that you need to use a a purified water source, either distilled water or there are ways that you can um, boil the water you're going to use and purify that water so that it doesn't carry that amoeba. You don't want to just use tap water. Um, Mm. Tap water can carry that, so you need to treat that water in order to make it safe. Uh, We drink that water all the time, but our gastrointestinal tract is able to kill that amoeba so that it doesn't isn't able to hurt us. Mm-hmm. So, All right. so keep your device clean and use clean water. Use the appropriate. Okay, very good. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Just a few minutes left if you want to call us with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. 
get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs. A, your A1C test. B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90. And C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here answering our medical questions. Dr. Johnston, we had a question just come in. This All is right. exciting right now. Yes, so it is. I love I'm questions. I'm going to just read it to you okay, right now. Okay, read it to okay. me. Okay, so the listener has an enlarged asymmetrical tonsil. She can feel it pushing. She's an older adult, and her doc has talked about removing it. Is it common to remove it? Is that the right path? So an asymmetrical tonsil that's causing some issues. So the first thing that I would worry about um, is could there be a cancer? Mm. in this. Um, and obviously, like I said earlier, the um, th- my job is to think what's the worst thing this could be and how do we look for that. Uh, so it's not uncommon for me to see tonsils that don't look exactly alike from one side to the other. Um, but it is uncommon to see a tonsil where there's one side that's big enough that it causes symptoms uh, and not both sides being reasonably symmetrical. So uh, it could be calcification in that tonsil. It could be a remnant of an infection. It could be a bunch of different things. But uh, I would vote with her doctor in this case. If she's got a tonsil that's big enough that it is causing symptoms for her. Maybe she's having trouble swallowing. Maybe she's choking. Maybe it's causing issues with sleep apnea. Um, it It is probably something that, that should be addressed surgically. Now, uh, Dr. Reitz, our beloved ear, nose, and throat doctor from Brookings here, who's been retired for several years now, um, always used to say that tonsillectomies are a really mean thing to do to adults. Mm. Uh, They're not fun surgeries to go through, um, but they're a very safe surgery, and um, it is it is something that I would encourage her if her doctor thinks that that needs to happen, that it probably should. Now, I also believe to my bones and the validity of second opinions. So if she wants to, I'm sure her doctor won't be offended if she wants to ask for a second opinion. Um, but my gut reaction from this little bit of information is, yeah, it's probably wise to get rid of that. Why do we have tonsils? What do they do for us? Tonsils are actually part of the immune system. Oh, okay. So they they are part of that process. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're not useless. Uh, and I was actually reading recently that uh, they think that the appendix also has some role in the immune system okay. and uh, that uh, it also has a role in kind of protecting the good bacteria in our gut. It's a little fortress for that. So mm-hmm. we've always kind of thought of the appendix as a useless, um, pointless artifact and uh, maybe it's not so uh, having said that 
people do just fine without their tonsils. So um, look look at this. We're literally head to toe. Oh, yeah. I managed I managed to get something in the main part of the body here. So yes. fabulous. Yeah, got it all covered. <laughs> Thank you for good. your questions. Yeah. We really, I really enjoy answering questions. So uh, call in, folks. Yeah, that is fun when we get those questions. Yes, it is fun. Well, they'll have to wait till next time because we're about out we're of time out. today. So, but before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Join us this coming Thursday for a new live On Call with the Prairie Doc. Coming up this week, I'm Prairie Doc Programming Prairie Doc host, Dr. Deb Johnston, with guest Dr. Micah Lickness from Midwest Ear, Nose, and Throat in Sioux Falls, and Dr. Jared Mansell from Prairie Lakes Ears, Nose, and Throat and Facial Plastic Surgery Clinic in Watertown. We'll discuss ENT, ear, nose, and throat issues and health problems. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.